welcome back to another episode of Cool, 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 Cool Down. Today we've got Mosa. Yo, yo, yo. Training, training, training ground. We've got Settle there with the Slinker Brick, the one and only, just like United. Yeah, it's 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 in support. It's support of Man United to to so they can have a brick wall at the at the back, man. <laughs> it works together like a brick wall, not just Maguire's head. And then we've got Richard. We've got uh, Rich there, sitting there with his West Ham fan up uh, with his West Ham flags as he always does. What's up, Rich? How are you boys doing? Oh, good. Good, top, good, top, good. Top, um, just to kick off some formalities as we go along, don't forget to like, don't forget to subscribe. The more you do that, the more people come back to watch and the bigger we can make our community. And obviously, if you comment on the side, we will represent your comments and we will get you involved in the conversation. And on that note, let's talk about the first game because there's a lot to cover today. The first game, and you know, normally our, our Newcastle man's here every week, but today is not, but it's one he will be proud of. Everton, Newcastle, <laughs> Newcastle got the three points, guys. How did they the get two goals is my question. And a clean sheet. And, and, and a clean sheet. And a clean sheet. <laughs> Away from home, and a clean sheet, guys. Imagine. I'm it, trying no, to no one, no one saw that coming, I must be honest. And I'm super annoyed because I had Callum Wilson on my bench in fantasy. So <laughs> it, was a t- it was a tough one to take, I must be honest. But yeah, it scores, scores two goals. Mm. Yeah, yeah he, 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 was my, he was in my team. He's the one player in my fantasy team that's been doing the thing. The rest, I haven't seen anyone else. So I, I got lucky with that one, Rich. Unlucky there. <laughs> <laughs> About fantasy clothes, how far, how far up the top are you in the, in the league? <laughs> no, I'm dwindling. I'm dwindling at the bottom. I'm fighting for relegation like Arsenal were a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> you got to hope for points, bro. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but about this game, Settle, um, you know, Newcastle, they, they go to, to Goodison Park on a five-game losing streak. We make a joke of it last week that they announced their new assistant manager, and it seemed like he was the difference in the end for Newcastle. That guy was giving instructions on the touchline, man. That's, that's when I knew that this guy was actually there to, to do serious things. He was standing in front of Steve Bruce while Steve Bruce was standing behind with, I think... Um, What's that? The other guy, Clemens, and they were talking. And then this guy's just talking, you know, he's doing instructions and everything. And then obviously, that's when I found out that actually he used to be uh, Roberto Martinez's assistant uh, for Belgium and um, and at four. So obviously, he's got you know he's got experience in terms of um, coaching uh, big name players and so forth. And he just obviously tried to try his hand as at management and then did well. But it seems like he's made a difference, man, because they actually look like a team. You know, Nick has been crying out and saying, <laughs> to try, just to try, just to try. They tried. They were actually playing. They were actually playing football, you know. Um, you know, uh, what's this guy's name? Almiron um, got on the ball more, you know what I mean? And, and, and obviously, Jamal Lewis had a great game as well. Uh, in the previous episode, obviously, Nick said that him and his father have differing views about Jamal Lewis. Jamal Lewis had a great game. Uh, he was even he was even in the, t- in the team of the week. Okay, but I was and in Shira's team of the week, but still he was in the team of the week. Some sort of team of the week. Yeah, it's not biased. <laughs> it's not biased at all. Yeah, <laughs> Steve Bruce was the manager of the week for him. But yeah, it was a, it was a great victory for them uh, to play against uh, a good Everton side and, and and get the 
three points, two goals, uh, and clean sheet. It's, it's impressive. Let's see if they can back it up. Um, I guess that that's a true test. I'm but just wondering awesome. what it means for Steve Bruce now, given that you know, if if the the the, the assistant manager first week in is feeling that confident enough to hail instructions from the sideline over the, the, the head coach. What does it mean for the, the head coach's uh, future at the club? And is, it, uh, is it the pits for him, uh, I suppose? Not true. Definitely true. It's, it's yeah. not often that Newcastle go away from home and have more shots than the home team. And that just shows you how on the front foot they were. And it, it reminded me a lot of um, when Newcastle played Crystal Palace earlier in the season. Two late goals again, you know. Um, they were nice and compact first half, and then they just hit them with the with the killer, the killer punch at the end. Two late goals, great result for Newcastle. Um, to me, I think it's just it's just a slight um, high point for them, and they'll get dropped straight back down to earth in a, in a few weeks' time. I just I haven't seen enough. I haven't seen enough from Newcastle this season to warrant them. Sustaining, sustaining some good form, but Nick, Nick will hope that they that they can do it. They keep going. On that, uh, yeah. On that note, have we seen enough from Everton actually this season? I think after the first couple of weeks, they were looking very, very exciting. They looked like you know they they had it all figured out with the signings that they made, the manager in store. Uh, but then they capitulated a little bit, and it seems like they were trying to ride the wave. And it seems like this type of losses is might must be concerning for. Uh, Everton um, fans and uh, club. It must be so frustrating supporting Everton because they've always been in a similar uh, similar kind of position to West Ham, whereas every single season there's a lot of optimism and there's ambition and then it, they seem to just let down the fans season after season. And this campaign seems to be no different. You know, those are games you have to be winning at home mm. against a team that's lost, what, five in a row. You've got to be picking up three points and, and you've got to question... The mentality of of the Everton players, um, the togetherness. There's something clearly not right there. Um, I mean, at, when they started so well, I was I believed that they'd finish top six without a doubt, and now mm. I'm starting to question that big time. Yeah, true. No, David, true. It's, 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 it is worrying. I, I think there's been there was, there was a point where obviously they were doing so well, and then they fell off a little bit, but then they came back again when they. Yes. Yeah, when, when they they beat um, um, Chelsea, I think they beat Chelsea. Yeah, they beat Chelsea. Beat Chelsea one 0 and then they won another game against another, another another team. So they won three consecutive games on the bounce, and that obviously made them got them back into the top six. And then people were saying, okay, maybe they can still do it. But then now they're falling off again. Um, so it's just, they've just been very consistent. And I thought they'll be do much better now that that Luca Dean is back on the left hand side, so that they can have a bit more structure, but also. His formation has been quite, you know, I, I, I don't understand it because he'll play Ben Godfrey still at left back, but then you'll play Luca Dean as a left winger. It's just his formation doesn't. Um, I think he just needs to go back to to, to playing a four-two-three-one that that he was playing early in the season. Yeah, perhaps he should. Yeah. Perhaps he should. But we, I think uh, Angelotti is that type of manager we all know. He's a great man manager sort of sort of guy, and unless he's got the personnel, it's always going to be hard for him because he knows how to get the best out of players. And if the players only have a certain level, I think he's he's gotten to that point where he's reached the the limit of some of the guys, and now he's going, oh, you know, he needs extra guys. Um, but Jason's asking here; he's saying, "What do you think about the signing of Willock for for Newcastle, guys? Do you think this is going to be a, an added bonus for Callum Wilson, who's already doing the job by himself, maybe with a little bit of assistance up top there?" 
To be honest, I'm not actually that convinced by Joe Willock. Hey? Um, I know he's a he's an exciting youngster, but you know I've watched him play for Arsenal a couple of times, and I think he's been guilty of being a bit lightweight, um, being pushed off the ball. Sometimes he needs to keep the ball a bit better. Um, but perhaps his decision making lets him down. But I think for for a Newcastle side that's lacking creativity and legs, it could be a great signing for them just to get mm-hmm. someone young in the camp to to push the rest of the squad to, you know, give their best and, and potentially get some decent results. So who knows? Yeah, and I agree. I think it's it's always good for for a side that doesn't really have someone who who's, who's forward minded that that, that 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 can play in the central area. So for instance they've got Saint Maximin and Almiron. Okay, cool. Almiron can play 10, but Saint Maximin is more of a winger, Fraser is more of a winger, Shalvi is more deep line playmaker. The two long staffs are destroyers. So you just need someone who can actually carry the ball and actually be a number 10, you know, uh, and support, obviously, Wilson. So hopefully he can do well. Um, I've only I've seen him do well in the Europa League, but, um, you know, I think every Arsenal player does well in the Europa League. So he hasn't done well in the Premier League. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, see. We'll, see how he, we'll see how he does uh, at, 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 at Newcastle. Yeah, look, I think at the end of the day, the result does give them a bit of breathing room in terms of that whole worry that Nick had with regards to relegation. So that's some good news for Newcastle. Maybe, like you guys said, something to build on, build upon, but Rich doesn't think it's going to happen and, next game. While we're obviously on the topic of, of, of transfers, what do you guys think of Josh King to Everton? Yo, I would have loved them to come to West Ham, eh? and we were... We were linked with him the whole window. Apparently, Moyes made him a priority signing. And the funny thing is, I laugh because on Sky Sports News, they were reporting earlier in the day that our owners told David Moyes that he has 30 million to spend on mm. deadline day. And what? literally, sure. Josh, King, Josh King would have cost, what, half of that? How much did they pay for him? No, they paid only five. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, six I'm months later. Sure. I'm flabbergasted as to why we didn't get involved there. I think he's I think he's a good player. I think he'll do well at Everton. Yeah, but is he not one of those guys that's like you know, it's not a player that Everton should be signing if they want to be competing for the league. You know what I mean? It's like, is he good enough to get them into top four? Perhaps. But is yeah. he gonna be a world beater? So maybe it's just it's what this window is for everyone else. It's just to like it's a plug to stop the gap for the time being, you know, to maybe give them something extra because they're so reliant on covered Lou in up front. I don't know. Do you guys really think it's that great to take them to the next level? Yeah, no, I get, I get what you're saying is that if Everton want to obviously go into the top four, they need someone who's got something a bit more, you know what I mean? Um, you know, not, world, not maybe world-class, but obviously a person that's above good, you know, a great player. You know? Yeah. You need a you need a you need a Richarlison, another Richarlison, basically, you know, because Richarlison uh, plays for Brazil's national team um, and has the and has the talent to actually you know make a difference. So you need another Richarlison in the team um, to 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 take it to the next level. And, and yeah, let's see what he does. Um, you know, as, and King's as, not the youngest either. He's not the youngest. I think he's at twenty eight years old. So he's I mean, to bring he's, in... getting, he's getting old. Yeah, he's getting old. Yeah. Yeah, and like Jason says, not consistent enough. For me, it's like a, it's just, it's just, it's one of those similar to Liverpool bringing in certain of the defenders. You know, like bring them in, see if you can sell them, move them on. You know, but in this case, the guy's twenty eight, so he's not going to have much of a sell on value. It's obviously just the bargain that that they think they're getting. But um, when we're looking at the Liverpool scenario, one thing we were all shocked by this morning was Minu Minu 
going to Southampton. And I've got a theory about it, by the yeah. way. Guys. But do you think Minamino is going to do the things there at Southampton? Hey, man, you know, you know what they've been saying in the media? Minamino found out that the only way he can get into Liverpool starting lineup is that if he goes <laughs> to the club, Southampton. <laughs> I knew that's where you were going. Sorry, man. I had really laughed there. I had really laughed. But you know, I, I think it's a, it's a good long-term vision there. I think they made it happen immediately because they saw tonight's game. I think Man United are playing Southampton. So they're like Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp were like, let's stop them. Let's give them Minamino, you know, get in the lineup. And give them some <laughs> was, was he registered in time? That's the question. Ah, uh, you will be. Watch. You'll see. Yeah. You'll be there. Okay. okay. Minamino, boy. I, I like him. My theory as to why Liverpool have let him go is because he obviously fell down the picking order behind Jota. Jota's been injured, but they're playing Origi and they're playing Shaq ahead of him, largely because I think they just want to offload those guys in the summer. So they're trying to give them game time, increase their value a little bit, so when they, they do get rid of them, they bring in some cash. That, that's the only reason. And now yeah. and now he's going to get coached or managed by Rolf Busenhutl, who's a fantastic manager, somewhat sets up his team in a similar sort of high-pressing energy manager as, mm. um, oh, as tactic as, as Jurgen Klopp. So he's going to be learning from that. And hopefully if he gets game time, that's valuable experience to get in the Premier League at someone else's expense. And he comes back far better for us and someone that we can sell if we do want to sell him for more. So I think it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I guess like the difficulty for Minamino is to try and get good game time in the English Premier League. He'd come into a squad like Liverpool where there were a couple of players in his position which were actually high-flying at that point in time and he couldn't actually crack that starting eleven. So for him to move over to Southampton to get a chance there might be a blessing in, in his sense to actually get some more game time over the season and then come back a fitter, stronger, sharper player. What, what, what Jason said is interesting. Um, that that could be a factor as well because yeah you do need to obviously have a certain amount of um, um, homegrown uh, players in the squad right or was it what was it British players in the squad right yeah but I think yeah so it had to do with the re-registration for the twenty five players so that could be a theory something we need to look into Jason if you are speaking facts and we'll just take what you're saying as fact but if not <laughs> I'm gonna have to send someone to go do the research. Um, <laughs> But yeah, the whole. What do you guys think about how Liverpool dealt with it, bringing in the two centre halves? About the two centre halves in particular, do you guys know anything about them? I mean, I know, but I'm curious to see what your thoughts are. No, I, I know nothing about Ben Davies. Um, you know, the more famous Ben Davies plays for Spurs, so this is the second uh, <laughs> Ben Davies. Um, the less yeah, famous one. The less famous one. Preston North End, old. Um, he's a he's a he's a Man United fan apparently. I don't know. But uh, uh, but um, the the, the Turkish one, the Turkish the Turkish boy obviously he's he's a bit more interesting I think I think he's obviously been um, touted as a potential uh, one for the future you know I think he's what twenty years old so obviously he's one for the future um, just playing for an underperforming underperforming team in the Bundesliga he's basically playing for a Sheffield in the Bundesliga you know forty nine goals let in in nineteen games um, only one win, <laughs> five Jeez. points. You know, it's exactly. tough, you know, it's tough, it's tough but it's tough for, it's such, a, it's such a historic club, you know, Schalke is such a big club in Germany, for them to be struggling is actually, it's actually sad, uh, but yeah, he seems like uh, he's got potential, but I guess you just need to work on the, on the mindset, playing from a, a relegation-bound team to playing for a top three team in England. No, man, yeah, I, yeah, but it's not, it's not, look, right, not, you got to take it for what it is, right, Liverpool bring in, firstly, this Ben Davies kid, they obviously here. He was on his way to Celtic. He was about to sign for Celtic. His contract was running out, um, and then apparently 
uh, Burnley were looking at him and so were Bournemouth. So if we're looking at Burnley, looking at a, a centre-half and saying, well, potentially we can bring this guy in, then you know defensively he has to be somewhat sound, right? If Burnley are looking yeah, yeah. Um, He is left foot dominant. He's got a little bit of pace. He's not the quickest. So, But if he is playing high line, he has a lot of conviction in the tackles. So there, there's something to work with and he's comfortable in the ball and position. So for a stopgap, yeah, sure, let's give him a go. If anything, um, he gets six months in and we can sell him for double the price. So it makes, from a business sense, it makes complete sense. Ozan Kabak, very interesting, like you said. He was actually voted um, young player of the Bundesliga the previous season at Stuttgart. Stuttgart then sold him to Schalke and it's gone, it's gone you know, it shits at the fan for him on that side. So they've actually had this sort of agreement where we're going to pay the money, I think it's two million pounds or something, with an option to buy him. They want an obligation for us to buy him at the end of the season for 20 million pounds. They said, no, just an option. So again, here we're getting this young sort of player that's highly rated and he's going to get six months under Klopp. And if he does well, both of them, it's an opportunity for them. And if anything, they and if they show the hunger, it's going to be hugely beneficial for Liverpool because they need to fight for their place because they've got six months to prove that they're worth being in the champions of, of England. So it's a win-win from that perspective. I mean, if they fuck up, then it's really not a win-win, but then we just cut our losses, mm. right? Off this just, just tell Kovac not to, not to spit at any people because he's spat at someone in September. So just make sure that he keeps his mouth shut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I saw that. That wasn't a lot of guys weren't too happy about that. But I think everything was spurred on, like Pums is saying, by the sort of Matip being ruled out for the rest of the season. And also, I know 100%. I've been quite critical in terms of saying he's a bit of glass at the moment, but he has been playing through injury just to to get the team going. So from that perspective, you've got to say, well done. And I mean, for a player to put his career on the line like that is quite hectic. Mosa, you want to say something? Yeah, given given the difficulties in the centre backs uh, at at Liverpool, wouldn't you have wanted somebody a little bit more set, a little bit more experienced, a little bit more pedigree in those positions to come in and maybe run the show uh, whilst the likes of Van Dijk are out? Yeah, and I mean, look, look, that's obviously ideal. But to, where are you going to find someone like that where they're not going to charge ridiculous fees for at this moment in time? And also taking into consideration. If they hadn't brought anyone in, I was more than happy for them to stick with Nate Phillips, especially after the performance he had against West Ham. I mean, Rich saw it. Like, I just think, I think, like, if I'm looking at Nate Phillips, what's the difference between a player like him and a Jamie Carragher? And yet, a Jamie Carragher got a like a lifetime career at Liverpool. So, so I think, I think, I think, I think, I think the reason is that is that you are taking away from your midfield by by just having that Nate, Nate, uh, Phillips, right? Because you're going to be Phillips and Henderson or Phillips and Fabinho. So you're taking away from your midfield where I think also it will aid your back line by having Henderson or a Fabinho or both Henderson, Fabinho and Thiago playing together in the midfield, for instance, or, or mm-hmm. one as the other player. And then at the back, you can still have a Nate Phillips and a, and a Kovac playing together. Or obviously, I think what you're probably going to do is going to play one of the youngest, one of the younger players or inexperienced players with Fabinho, and then Henderson moves in the midfield with Thiago and Wijnaldum, which at least then it lets it lets your captain to 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 be more more influential in the game. Because I think that's what you guys want is that you want at least that whole mid, midfield is two of them being playing centre back. You want to move them to the midfield. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, that's that's what it is, right? It's going to be interesting to see how he balances it out, whether or not he does keep one of them in the beginning. And he, he starts giving the other, like one of the new signings, a bit more game time instead of just throwing them in together at the same time.
But yeah. the next game we need to talk about, unless there's another signing, Yaz, I know, Rich, it wasn't exactly a deadline day sort of transfer, but we haven't really touched on the Lingard moving to West Ham. Is that something you're quite happy about? <laughs> well, he's got this year. What he's called us here, I think that's the thing. He's, he's going to be dancing, guys. Dancing. <laughs> Look, I mean, I must be honest. I'm, I'm actually quietly excited by, by that signing. Hey, um, he hasn't had a lot of game time, and his struggles have been well documented. But you know, I, I think to myself, it wasn't long ago he was starting for England in a World Cup semi-final. You know, he's got quality. He's what 28 years old. He still has a lot to offer. And I think he's coming to West Ham with a point to prove, you know, because he wants to make yeah. sure that when he gets back to Man United, he has a future. So I think he's going to work his socks off at West Ham. He's going to try at the ground running. And that's the type of player we need coming into the camp. You know, we, we haven't had to spend a huge amount of money. Is he? <laughs> <laughs> what is this nonsense? Is he Tabak? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> <laughs> Tabak, what is this? Are you watching you know, you know, you know, you know, I, I, I actually, I, to yeah. to a certain extent, I can empathize with Tabang because sometimes no. I do get that feeling that, you know, sometimes like the value of Henderson is sometimes seen in uh, what he brings to the field aside from his passes and his play and his actual open play. It's more about his character that he brings. Yeah, his leadership and character vibes. And that is fair, man. Sometimes the guy goes That's sideways. That's, That's fair, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think he's underrated. I think Henderson's underrated. No worries, guys. Listen, I, I've had this conversation often, and it's something. You know, you know how it is. You know how it is. So, you always, I'm going to put a cello card. You guys don't know because you don't watch Liverpool often enough. You know, it's, it's one of those things where Henderson, when he's not there, we feel the impact, and that's that's what. So yeah, talk about character. Talk about his side passes. You know, he yeah. was so convincing at centre back. James Milner came out saying. You know, you got to be careful. You played so well, the boss might keep you at centre back, and that's how you're going to end your career. That's he's just and, and just think about wait, wait, just think about Liverpool, all the positions. <laughs> he's played, played centre back, he's played, he's, played, he's, played, he's played everywhere the club have asked him, and he's won the league, and he's won is the champion. You know what, Tabang, just put respect on the man's name. This is unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Noble even won a, a, a trophy with West Ham. Come on, that's not a, no. Sorry, sorry, Silo, you want to say something there? No, no, it's all good. I, I, I just concur. No, but I was just saying that uh, listen, he got his, he got his um, credit um, last season with the awards that he got. Yeah, man. So, so I think yeah, we, 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 we know what he can offer. But I think um, I think his, his, his um, leadership and character um, is quite um, shines through uh, more than anything. Um, you know. But yeah, as as but yeah, as as um, Jason's asking Rich. Uh, where is he playing? Where is Lindor going to play? Who's going to replace? Obviously, I think you guys play a four-two-three-one. Four-two-three-one is Bowen, and for Niles. So obviously, I think those three positions is where Lingard would try slotting, right? It's a great question from Jason because you know, as good as Lingard is, he's going to struggle to walk straight into the starting eleven. I must be honest because yeah. all. All of our of our front four, you know, Antonio's place is set, and then you've got the three behind him: Ben Rama, Bowen, Fornals. They've all had a good season so far. Um, they've worked their socks off, so it's a difficult one. I think he'll spend a couple games on the bench because Moyes is quite ruthless like that as well. When Ben Rama yeah. joined, Ben Rama ate bench for, mm. for five games yeah. before he got a run out. So I think Lingard will start on the bench, um, but I could see him coming in for Fornals after a few games. He'll just offer us a, a little bit more than Fornals, but. In a way, that's a bit disrespectful to Fornals because I think he's actually had a really good 
uh, runner games in the team and he's contributed defensively and going forward. Um, so it's a good question. We'll, we'll have to wait and see where Lingard's going to fit in. But it will be in that, in that three behind the striker. All right. Okay. So that's we're moving on. We're moving on from the, the transfer deadline day. We're going to talk about the results, going back onto the results. And Man City, Sheffield United, obviously something to be said. United, Man City. I mean, Sheffield, did, they, they made it tough for Man City, that's for sure. But Man City at the end got the three points and they, they still, they're on top of the log. And can they be stopped at this moment in time? Mosa? They're very, very composed, very, very professional, very, very like uh, about their performance type of performance from Man City. They did get the early goal uh, early in the first half towards the midway mark of the first half. And then they didn't fire on all cylinders right afterwards. They actually just managed the game, kept more of the position and let Sheffield park their bus the whole day. And sometimes that's what you need from a team like Man City. We've seen them scoring four or five goals on the trot the past couple of games and to see them coming out for a team like Sheffield United with the 1-0 result is quite quite impressive. Very composed is what I could say I about their performance. The, the, the tough part with Man City, guys, is that these guys score about 70-75% of their goals in the first half. If they don't score in the first half, that's your, that's your best chance of winning because second half, yeah. they, don't score, they don't really score goals. Even if you, if you see against West Brom when they won 5 no, they scored four goals first half, one second half, you know what I mean? Up to yeah. there, it's yeah. The game is already settled, but even against Villa, they only scored in the 79th minute, um, that dubious goal. Um, so if they don't score in the first half, then I think you can actually frustrate them because sometimes they yeah. get frustrated and then they try too hard. They don't keep to to to, to Pep's tactics of, of trying to build up and recycling the ball. Then they get desperate and then you see a lot of crosses coming in. And obviously if a goalkeeper's on their on their best form, um, then obviously they can obviously uh, a team can get away with a point or, or a victory. Um, as you saw with yeah. um, with West Brom and Slavin Village's last game. Uh, but yeah, I think these guys, they don't look like they'll concede a goal. Um, let's see what they can do this week. And then also let's see what they can do against Liverpool. But it's, it's, that's a valid point. They've got the best defence in the league. They've only conceded 13 goals. And that's where they've been great. That's where they, I yeah. mean, they've scored the same yeah. amount of goals as United, 37 apiece. But their defense is where they've really come to life. And the guys that are contributing the goals aren't their strikers. It's just, it's how Pep Guardiola sets his team up. It's very different to Liverpool, mm-hmm. really reliant on width. Whereas in the middle, they've just got these constant moving midfielders that are able to. to why are you smiling there? What's going on there? No, man, because I, I really do get excited about the formation and the, to see those players interchange in the midfield. I, I can only imagine what it's like. And that's why I, I actually have to give credit to Sheffield United for actually containing uh, Man City to one goal only. Because it must be a hell of a headache to see the, the two uh, fullbacks coming into the centre mid, distributing mm-hmm. play from there. Everybody's just moving in front of them. It, it's mm-hmm. chaos, utter chaos, which he creates. And then it's like, to manage that as a as a as a team which is defending in sim. Sheffield actually did did do pretty well on the day. Stats, City only had ten shots. You know, normally when you yeah. see a, a stat card yeah. after a game, City are into the twenties against those type of teams. So yeah. for them to have limited them to only ten shots, I think they did a great job. And but I mean yeah. it's also you also have to think about the fact that Pip rotated big time, you know. What he mm. must have made five or so changes for that game. So, you know, yeah. for for a completely almost new side to gel, is is difficult. So I can kind of mm. understand in a way why it was a why it was a one 0 
Mm. Question, question mm. for you guys. I mean, Sheffield, especially of the last couple of games, they've done all right. I mean, they lost against City, fair enough. They won their previous game against United. So City and United back-to-back, two really good performances. They're only sitting – only. I mean, they only have eight points. If they go – is it possible for these guys to go on a bit of a run and somewhat become like the ultimate – survival candidates of the of the Premier League because if they do if they do survive <laughs> it'll be one of the most incredible wow. stories okay. if if halfway you, halfway you only got five points and obviously now this is the second round you get your first three cool it's a good start you got hey, Newcastle got most of their points within the first five games so you know <laughs> so so it's, it's kind of tough because you're looking at it you think to yourself um Sam Allardyce was saying 38 points is, is, is what will get you safe but you think to yourself to get 30 points from 18 games. Wow, that's yeah, a lot. That's 10 games that they have to get yeah, results from. That's 10 games, wins, you know, they can call maybe maybe seven and then a couple of draws and, oh man, okay, let, let them beat West Brom um, tonight. I think it's tonight. <laughs> yeah. If they beat West Brom tonight, it's, then we can talk about them being be, being there because West Brom's only on, on 12. But if they don't beat it's curtains. Yeah. All right. But I also do think it's already curtains. Whether they beat West Brom or not, it's already late. Yeah, and I just love the fact that Liverpool sold Brewster for twenty million pounds for for nothing. <laughs> the poor guys just chilling. All right, guys, this game, the Dolphist. I mean, obviously this this was a great point for Arsenal. I mean, really hurtful point for for uh, for Celo. I was going to say Celo, but for Ole and United, but and for Celo. Celo, you must be putting your hair out, bro. Yeah, I'm actually just <laughs> so I'm glad, now. I'm glad, I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad I was I was I was I had friends I had friends over having a little bry. I'm glad I'm glad I missed the first half. Um and only caught uh, what 40, 35, 40 minutes of the game in the second half. Uh but obviously the minutes that I did catch was the Cavani chances that you speak of, Rich. Um yeah. I don't wanna hey man, I think Often, sometimes we 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 say things before uh, about certain players and so forth, and we and we need to also remember that Cavani is a is a needs a lot of chances to score, right? He's he played for PSG and played for Napoli. That guy, especially at PSG, he had a lot of chances and he scored lots of goals. Man United, you don't have many chances. You have few chances, so you need to score your few chances because Man United is not like Man City. Man City will create, you know, let's say. If, five, six big chances in the game and then they'll score, let's say, two or three of them, whatever. Man United create two, three. Again, two, three, two, three, two. Three. And we created those uh, two, three big chances and Cavani had those two, uh, three, two, three big chances, especially the one where, where Luke Shaw crossed it to him and he obviously sure. missed, missed an open goal. He missed an open yeah, goal. Tap it. A literal tap he just, it. He just needed to open up his foot a little, just a little, just a little bit more just, just so that he can just slide across and he closed his foot and it just went, and Leno was obviously not even in frame, um, and that was just frustrating. I think that would have been like, uh, you know, you sometimes look at a game and say, if you scored those chances, you know, you, then you can say it was a masterclass in terms of the tactics or whatever. Yeah, but, or, but this is the thing, though, Celo. This is the thing. The guys came out. But the guys huh? came out. So, so Skulls came out. Roy Keane came out. All those dudes came out saying, you know, Again, now it's the how the tune has changed. Like that wasn't good enough for United performance. It looked like Ole was playing for the point. And, you know, it comes down to, to to exactly what you're saying. If if he takes that, if he takes that sort of chance, Cavani, then it's like, oh, okay. Then the good, good times rolling on again. Man, United are doing everything right. 
But obviously, he doesn't take that chance. And because of how he does set up, he can get criticized for that against an Arsenal who are only somewhat finding their feet again. And if we if we got to look at how the game played out, Arsenal weren't bad on the day. They were organized. They were, they were relying really a lot on Smith-Rowe. They also had one or two chances. Not as clear as the two Cavani efforts that he yeah. had. But at the end of the day, that's where I think the frustration comes from the United camp where it's going, why aren't they having a go at, at an Arsenal? You know, uh, I don't know. How do you answer that? How do you go, like, why, why aren't they going out there with conviction? I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, everyone was saying they're fighting for the league. Yes, we all can agree they're not really ready to compete there, technically speaking, but they were there. So why within the last two weeks, all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, we're happy with the point. We're happy with the point. You know, it's like... I think... I think, I think at, because at of Ole out. I think, I think, I think at, at the end of the day, um, you, have to, you, have to, you have to ask yourself about um, the manager in terms of his, his setup, right? Um, that, that is obviously before the game. And then in the game, to effect changes in the game, Solskjaer does a lot of mistakes in terms of his substitutions. His substitutions are way too late. He makes his subs 10 to 15 minutes uh, too late. You know what I mean? And also, he's also not, um, you know, trying different things. You know, he always brings on the same players. You know what I mean? You need to try, try change things, try change things a little bit. You know what I mean? You know, you maybe bring on Dan James, you know, bring, bring on Supersonic, you know, being given the ball, at least you know, Dan James will run, will always run down the flank. You know what I mean? And, do something. Bring on Mata, Mosa's favorite player. You know, try something different. Bring on Donny Fender Big. You know, try something different. You know, um, cool. The setup was wrong. I feel obviously because you 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 stifling Pogba by putting Pogba out wide. Then even acknowledged he said uh, we wanted to get Pogba uh, more on the ball. That's why we decided to bring Martial on for McTominay when he got injured. You, so you can already see why didn't you think about that to start the game and say I want Pogba to be on the ball. Let me start Pogba in the middle. Why, why don't you think about that? You know what I mean? You, you act like, you know, you, you act like you're playing, um, you know, uh, Pep Guardiola's Barcelona when you set up, when you should just play your best players in their best position with so they can be effective. And then after 35 minutes, when you want to bring on, put Pogba in the middle and then put but, Marshall. But yeah, that makes no sense, right? That, that makes that's, no that's, sense. You've got that's, that's, a great player. You've got a great player and you're not maximizing him. You're asking him to do a different type of job. Exactly. <laughs> that's bizarre. Exactly. That's like oh, splitting a cobbler to to sew a dress. It's it's the most like you have yeah. the one of the world's best cobblers. But you know what? Fuck, my daughter needs a dress. Can you please make something for her? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That, so, explains, so, so, that explains why Ole out. To be honest, man. Like uh, no matter so, so, exactly. what the players do at their peak exactly. performance, they'll be in the exactly. wrong places. It's 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 the things that we obviously always questioned about him. Uh, before the run, but always linger in the back of your mind to say that he's shown us in the past that there's just a little bit that he lacks in in those defining moments, in those defining games, you know what I mean? Cool, you can not attack in football, but also you need to impose yourself, you know, you know, and play Pogba in the midfield. You impose yourself against Liverpool in the FA Cup, but then you kind of like forget that you use Pogba in the middle, and then now you want to put Pogba in a different position. Like, what, mm. does that make sense? You know what I mean? If you're playing against a team which had 80% of its players and you also have 80% of your uh, first team and you do well in the match and then now you think, ah, now I'm going to play Arsenal, but I'm playing away. Let me be a bit cautious. No, man, that's not the way to do it. So Solskjaer needs to... Um, Get out. Things. Obviously, obviously, <laughs> obviously, obviously <laughs> the, next, the next couple of games are, are, are against the, 
if, if I want to call them the Europa League teams, um, you know, Southampton and Everton next. So I want to call them the Europa League teams, the teams that are basically in the top seven. Um, so that, those are tough games as well. Um, let's see what happens, you know. Yeah, this is also another valid a valid point. Jason's saying that Bruno hasn't shown up for the big games. This Man United, Man United hasn't shown up. Man United hasn't shown up. Yeah, huh? and for me, yeah, Bruno has had a say, lot of BMT. But but you can't you can't say, for instance, that that a person a player is not showing up when the team is not set up to show up. You know what I mean? You can't say a player is, where is the player, but where's where's Rashford in the big games? Where's Marshall in the big games? Where's Cavani in the big games? You know whether. It's yeah. a four, that's a four attackers. So where's Greenwood in the big games? None of them, none of them in the big games this season have I seen have I seen something amazing from any of them this season in the big games. So that is Man United's problem is that Man United hasn't shown up. We mustn't say Bruno hasn't shown up. Bruno has a goal in, 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 in against top six teams. He's got one goal. The other guys have zero. Man United have scored one goal against the, the traditional top six, right? Um, and it's only been scored by Bruno. So you gotta ask yourself. Uh, Man United hasn't shown up, um, Jason. Not Bruno hasn't shown up. So if you set up to to not lose, then where is Bruno going to get the ball? Bruno will get two touches, four touches. You know what I mean? Um, and and obviously the defense will be the guys who are showing up. Luke Shaw has been our best player in all those games. <laughs> guys like Maguire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? got got our man, man of the match. You know. But, yeah, but he's yeah, been he's good. He's been good lately. I think Wan-Bissaka's yeah. been a, a decent... Uh, he's been on a good run of form. And I actually think going forward, he's getting better. Slowly, he's getting better, but he's he is getting better. No, he, did. he did. He did. He did. He created a nice cross. Exactly, yes. You know, so he is getting better. A little bit, little bit by bit, he'll, he'll get there. He's, and he's still young, man. But yeah, let's... let's we can move on. Um, we, can, we can ask... We <laughs> can ask about Timo Werner as well. We can ask about uh, Roberto Fabio. Hey, hey, leave Timo uh, Werner out of this. Actually, that's actually a valid point, Hello. I think it's actually worth mentioning, really. Is that a lot of these guys are struggling. Um, Martial, for a whole different... One of the reasons why I've never liked Martial, and this is a personal thing, is because when I see him on the field, I don't think he's got the best attitude. And I like guys who graft, and he just doesn't give that for me. But So I think it's hard when you're not that sort of player... And all of a sudden, these games are coming thick and fast. And the manager's going, well, we can't really rely, like, rely on someone. We can't carry anyone in the team. You all need to be working. And I think that's one of the situations that all these guys are struggling at the moment. But um, talk about who isn't struggling. Tushal got his first win, okay? But he plays the old guard. And the old guard come and do the business for him. Mosa, you're smiling from ear to ear. You made sure you were on today's show because you were like, hey, <laughs> we're above Arsenal. We're above Arsenal. And you were hoping Wonga would be here, but he's not here. But two points yeah, clear. Man that's isn't that's, here, that's man. a big thing for Chelsea now. Eh? That's <laughs> a very big man. thing. And uh, yeah, yeah, shout out to that, man. Like, it's a good thing because, you know, in two games, four points, uh, it's very, very early days for Tuchel. But what he's shown is a lot of energy and a lot of high pressing, which is exciting to see from our side. So, yeah, man, goals are coming. Uh, hopefully, the likes of Werner will get on the score sheet a little bit more. And I think Silo's comparison between Martial and Werner is a little bit unfair, given that Werner's still acclimatizing to English football. Martial has been there for a couple of years, do you think? And it's yeah, it's, and, it's many, a, it's and how many goals? And how many goals? And how many goals did he score last season? Who? 
Martial. Why, why do we keep talking about last season? We're talking about yeah. now. No, Martial, yeah. yeah. But that's why I, I find it a little bit difficult to compare him with Werner no, I mean, now. I, I, don't, I, I don't want. I, 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 I don't. I don't like to compare players. You know, what I mean, each player are in their own different scenarios. You know, what I mean, Werner. Werner gets in the right positions. That 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 that, that is not, that that you'd criticize of a player and say they're not getting the right positions. But they, he's getting the right positions. I think he just needs to, uh, he to build up his confidence. That guy is like a blind footballer. On a, I, I, I don't I think, understand. I think I think uh, I think Rich should take him at West Ham for you. You should take Please. him. <laughs> I told you I would have made that deal happen. I wouldn't have stopped. Until that. We are so short up front. I'd take anyone. But um, <laughs> what's up, bro? you guys are nullified Burnley. Okay, of course, they, they're not the greatest team going forward. But I mean, I think they literally had one shot the entire game. Mm. They didn't have one shot on target. They had one shot, one attempt at goal. So, I mean, mm. that's that's a, that's a feather in, in your manager's hat to say, you know, defensively, you guys look solid as well, which is which is good to see from your side. Yeah, he's bringing that type of like total football approach, you know, where the energy is high, the pressing is high. Everybody has to look busy at least. You can't just be on the field and just uh, going going through the motions, which is exciting to see here at Chelsea, which which needs that from all the players. And that's why it's like exciting to even see guys like Alonso coming onto the field, guys that you thought were out of the picture, in the picture and actually showing that they've got something to contribute. But that's the interesting thing for me. That was the interesting thing is the guys that you thought were out the picture, first thing he goes is like, well, I'm going to revert somewhat back to how they were playing when they were successful. Bringing on Jasper Laqueta, your Alonso, you know, playing three at the back with wing backs. And he's kind of gone, well, let's, let's play what works. These guys know what works. And all of a sudden, bang. I think Alonso's goal, which was fantastic, by the way, the chest, the knee, and then the volley was for left back is ridiculous. And you can see that's where no, the, the take comes from his brother, Xavier Alonso. But... Um, <laughs> But 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 at the end of the day, that felt like to me that felt like a little screw you to to Frank Lampard. To be honest, <laughs> that's what it felt like when I saw it. I was like, oh, this guy's literally saying stuff you, Frank. I'm back in the team. I'm gonna bloody score this most this this incredible goal, and he does that. Yeah, exactly. And that gives every player in the squad has that opportunity right now. No, true. No, I think I think what, what's 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 impressive, right, is um, the fact that you know players are. A, a, a new lease on life, you know. What I mean, you know, they all given mm. a fair opportunity. Obviously, show. obviously, Kepa's not given an opportunity, but everyone else is given an opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kepa, Kepa, hey. Richard, you like Kepa? Kepa must go play for you under twelve, bro. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Kepa yeah. he's, shown, he's shown the world enough at this point in time. Let's just give the guy a chance to rest. Exactly. So, so I think it's obviously good that. Main players, obviously, um, even the ones on the fringes, like being given an opportunity. Um, Georgina's back, obviously, the club captain is back. Um, so everyone else is an opportunity. Um, you know, Hudson Adoy been your best player the last two games. I, I, I and and I think that, that, that how does that work, Silo? Yeah, how's that? The guy, new manager what? comes in, all of a sudden, Hudson Adoy is like, Hey, I'm, I'm on it. And it's like the manager's almost said, oh, Do you think his reputation in Germany has kind of come with Tuchel going, Look, I know Bayern has been after you, I know you rated highly in Germany. I'm gonna rate you highly, and all of a sudden, this player is feeling loved. Do you, I think, do you think that's? Pretty I, th- I think it's probably one of those where he says, "Man, listen, I think you're the real deal." You know, what I mean, I think I can see why. Probably saw him in training. One training is like, yeah. okay, I see why Bayern wanted you. I can see it. I can see why. Let me play you. 
um, just do your thing. Um, but I'm going to play out of position, right wing back. So you have to track back, you have to go forward. Everything just came out of his right hand side, guys. Everything. That ball just goes to the right, right, right. He just, he's there on the right hand side, makes great crosses, you know. Um, and obviously, he was giving them the ball as well. Mason Mount was there in the starting lineup, giving the ball down right. (laughs) Obviously, obviously, you know, um, he's back. He's back. The prodigal son is back. Yeah. (laughs) Can we, can we still call him the prodigal son? (laughs) After that. <laughs> so, as well, who I think, as far as I know, hasn't had a lot of game time as well for Chelsea. You know, for him to come back into his team, get a goal, captain the side, I think that's also a bit of a thumb, um, middle finger to to Lampard as well, because Reese James was was taking his position for for large spells. Yeah, yeah so yeah. Reese James had all the good attributes of like a full, a good fullback. You know, he's got a really good right foot. He's got good speed, good stamina. But the mistakes that he'd make at the back were just stuff that showed that he's a little bit inexperienced in that role. And that's what Aspilicueta brings. He doesn't give you every attribute that Reese James does does have, but he gives you a little bit of stability in the back, and that. That allows the manager then to look at like that formation of a back three, or look at a, a more expressive formation at the back, because the, the instances where Reese James was in the field, he was looking great against the bigger teams, but yo, the mistakes that he'd create right in front of the box were scary, in, right in front of the box and inside the box, and that's something that, you know, um, only so much, only so much confidence and time can be given by a manager, whereas other managers will just go for a package which is set up. And like, but but what's interesting about that is that is down to the experience, right? Like you said, you've already mentioned it. It's down to the experience. But the difference as well is that there's a in a player like Aspilicueta, he knows his limitations and he knows his strengths, and he plays he's very self-aware. In a player yeah. like Reese James, he wants to be a, a modern fullback, this new modern fullback. He wants to be a Trent Alexander. He wants to be this sort of you know you know. So he's gonna take those risks, especially at a younger age, and that's the difference. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know. Chelsea are going to benefit from Frank giving him game time. Frank's obviously out of a job, so he's not going to benefit. But Reese James has gained valuable experience from that. And that's where I think a Tuchel is going to come in and say, you know what, these are, this is how you're going to change your game. And rightly so, he should be learning from an Aspilicueta in terms of what he's doing right, as opposed to going, this is how I'm going to be better than you. You know, and that's one yeah. of the things. So, yeah, fair play to Tuchel coming in, giving the, even Rudiger coming back into the lining, lineup. So he's gone with the experience again, and he's getting results. And I always think if you're a new manager... You need to get the results, get the three points, build the confidence, and then slowly start changing and tinkering things. Don't just come in and say, I want you to play like this. Because the guys are going to be like, well, who are you? You know, you need to first buy their trust, earn their trust rather through results, and then move on. Mm. Um, but yeah, exactly. last, last thought, Mosa, in terms of overall Tuchel's sort of approach to the players, it's like, what do you think? Do you think he's the right man long term? At this point in time, I've always had my my uh, little apprehensions about Tuchel in terms of how he can stir up some politics within a club and actually the focus of like um, the dynamics between management and ownership stir between Tuchel. But I think he's good for the players, man. Like he's got a good mix uh, of players. There's German players, there's French players, there's English players, which he can work with pretty well. He's got a really good talented type of uh, squad that he can also craft. And... He doesn't have personalities which are like a Pogba or, um, okay, Liverpool doesn't have that type of personality where they can go against the coach and vehemently who, and vocally. Who, goes, I, who said Pogba went against the coach? I don't know what. what <laughs> no, 
I think Jamal what I'm trying to say is I'm, Neymar, what I'm trying, Neymar, not, Neymar, maybe, Neymar, maybe Neymar, yes. Maybe Neymar um, or, or players yeah. like Mbappe who need the coaches type of full support. You know, it's like that juxtaposition where at Chelsea, the players that are currently there can do their job if they're required to do the job and to shock and point them in the direction of the job they have to do. Whereas in other clubs, there are some kind of personalities which would require the, the manager to actually steer and stifle or steer and push the, the, the personalities to do the job, which is which is nice for Tuchel. So I think it works. Or you must say Tuchel doesn't have, a, doesn't have Frank Lampard in, in the team because you know, Frank Lampard got Villas Boas fired. So don't forget that. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how like the, 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 the wheel turns out with him and Thank Villas Boas. <laughs> Yeah, Rich, you were you were making a lot of noise in our group chat about fouls and things, and you know, you're really about, about the weekend's result, game against Liverpool. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, let's let's talk about this game. Three one, definitely. Yeah, look, I want to start off by congratulating Liverpool because it was a second string side that you put out, um, and you guys got the job done. So. Fair play to you guys. On on our side, I was very disappointed. Um, obviously, at halftime, to go and nil-nil, I was content. But, you know, you look at the team, makeshift back four, you've got a 35-year-old in midfield. You know, as much as I respect James Wilner, he's 35, you know. We've got to be taking the game to Liverpool more, especially on the back of four wins in a row in the league. You know, we should have been full of confidence. We should have really not given you as much respect as we did. So that, for me, was really disappointing. In saying that, if, if Antonio puts that chance away, we go 1-0 up, so it's a different game, you know? Um, but at the end of the day, it comes down to being clinical. And, you know, that counter-attacking goal that you guys scored, it's happened to us three seasons now at home against you, where we've had a corner and Salah's gone up the other end and scored. So I was pulling my hair out, but it comes down to being clinical. Um, Salah's first goal as well. Cresswell knows Salah's going to cut in on his left foot. What does he do? Let's him cut in, bends it into the corner. So it comes down to fine margins, but we definitely weren't good enough to take anything from the game. So I must uh, give you guys the credit. It was a good win for you boys. Do the guys at West Ham not know that uh, Salah's always going to try and beat you guys on the counter from a corner and the like? So is it just... I mean, you learn. You'll keep learning. I, just, I can't understand it. Yeah, I, I just find it hilarious because, like you said, it's it's not the first time it's happened, and I love it. Like those are the, the best goals Liverpool score. Those sort of counter-attacking when they're defending a corner, and you know when I used to play, Mosa, I always used to when I used to defend, I always used to think this is when a team is at their weakest. They've thrown bodies up into your own box, and if you're smart enough and quick enough, you can really catch them. So that's why you know you always joke about me being a right back bombing forward. But off corners yeah. especially, I try and sniff anything I could get. And that's why when I see that happen against West Ham time and time again, I just love everything. <laughs> it was just, that, that, that goal was just, oh, man, it was delightful. Like, even thinking about it now, it puts a huge smile on my face. But, but like <laughs> when, when I saw, when I saw the, the this starting guy, lineup. This, this, guy's, this guy's getting a bone and live on TV. Wow. <laughs> Can you see this? <laughs> <laughs> He's so excited. <laughs> On that corner, but I must say that ball from Shakiri. Yeah, that was delicious. That was that was quality. You know, sometimes you just have to hold your hands up. As much as we shot ourselves in the foot, it's a great, it's a great ball. You know. No, true. So, that, yeah. that ball is amazing. That ball is amazing. And, and then Salah's uh, touch as well. I uh, just, just perfect, 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 perfect. It all worked out. Clouds, 
what are you saying about the lineup? Oh, no, no. Uh, when I saw the lineup, I mean, I, I was crapping in my pants, as you would. I mean, you saw Henderson at the back, Nathan Phillips. You know, you got, like you said, a 35-year-old and James Mullen in the midfield. So it's a lot of hard running against a side that is in form. And I think it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I'm worried to a certain extent. And then I go, but who's the manager? David Moyes. And, I, and I'm telling you now, David Moyes has just, Liverpool have this hold over him. I don't know what sort of um, spell they cast over him. But whenever he plays against, it doesn't matter. He can be on like a 100-match sort of unbeaten run. I know that wouldn't be possible because he'd have to face Liverpool at some stage. But he would be on a hell of a run. But, and when he sees Liverpool, he just kind of changes everything that he does. Like, why not? If anything, if, if you kind of going to gamble that, you know, you might lose against Liverpool, why not just throw your players at it? Give them a real go instead of going, we're going to be cautious. We're going to keep it tight. We're going to wait until the last 15 minutes. Look, they had their chance. They did have their chance. And, you know, it wasn't taken. And if that goes in, maybe the game's different. And I will say Shakiri, apart from that moment that he had, I was losing my mind between him and Origi, especially in that first half. I've never seen a like Origi, I watched live. I watched live playing against Bournemouth years ago at Anfield. And I couldn't understand how a player like that had a contract at Liverpool when he didn't know how to be on the field. He didn't know where to be, where the ball was, where to, like, he was completely lost. He was coming short. He had to come short. Him and Shakiri were both coming short into the same spaces. There were times in that first half where Salah was isolated and it just worked out. It's one of those exactly like an Ole. If, if Cavani scores, it's a brilliant result for Ole. If, if we don't get that change where he takes Molna, where Molna has no. a go at which is brilliant. The reason apparently he did that and Molna was quite upset was because he tells Molna, he says, um, he told Molna, you know, we're going to put you deeper because we don't want you to run as much because your hamstring's feeling a bit tight. So he did that job and then he got pulled off because then he was like, dude, I was doing what you said. Why are you pulling me off? And then it just happened that we got the, the, the goal after that and everything was hunky-dory. But I, at that moment where he takes him off, I literally said he's gone and he's messed up, Klopp. He's messed up here. Because if we don't get a result and you've pissed off one of your leaders in a James Milner, when you're ready, all of a sudden your leaders are dropping. I'm like, oh, and it just worked. Out. There's, there's nothing to, to, to moan about that. But, you know, that was for me, that was a concern. Then we scored and then I was happy. And then, yeah, we got the result. Now I'm happy. I'm a happy chappy. I get, I get surprised about Origi so much, man. Like, uh, does he have a contract right now just because he helped Liverpool win the season? Or what's the background there? Is there something else? It's a, it's a, it's a Champions League contract, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will say this you know Rigi Rigi isn't a coachable player he's not a he's not going to give you any when he starts you know you're going to lose out going forward because he's not going to give you anything in the build-up play he's not going to give you diagonal runs movement in the box is all over the place compare him to Cavani Cavani's instinctive but what Rigi does is if you put him in the last 10 minutes he just has this natural ability to find himself at the right place in 10 minutes when the game's all over the place. When it okay. isn't really, where you don't need like yeah, a structure. Yeah, when you don't need a structure where you need something to be carved open. When it's a bit messy and chaotic, he's the right guy for the job. But give him 15 minutes. Yeah, that's, that's where he's good. So that's why he sticks around. But now I'm convinced that they're going to just, they're keeping giving him game time so they can flog him with a decent value at the end of the season. Same thing with Shakiri. I mean, Shakiri, <laughs> apart from that part, Shakiri was nowhere. But that pass at the end of the day made the difference. So. Hey, man. Shakiri so yeah. made 60 passes. Remember that pass that he made um, early in the season at Anfield? The one through the legs. Um, come on. You know that guy's passing is amazing. Man. Uh, he's good. He is good from that perspective. And also when he gets taken off, he looks like Klopp. I've never seen a player look at his coach. Like he's, I know we, we joke about Mason Mount being Frank Lampard's son. 
But if ever there's a relationship between father and son, the way in which Shakiri looks at him, it's like a father he never had. This is one of those scenarios. Yeah, yeah true. And he's so short. Rich, final thoughts on the game before we move on. Uh, look, I mean, the, the team we put out, I was happy with. Um, I thought there was more than enough in that 11 to get something from the game. I think it was a mixture of the, the team being flat and potentially David Moyes uh, putting something in the players' heads to say, you know what, let's just try to be compact and see if we can nick something. Whereas I thought we actually should have taken the game to Liverpool from the get-go, yeah. like we've been doing for the last four games. As you said, your starting lineup wasn't great. And when I saw your starting lineup, I was really, really confident. Um, but yeah, you guys are the better team, more clinical, and we'll learn from it. And hopefully, we can get a result against Villa next time out. All right, guys. One we need to talk about briefly because it's been a bad, or it was a bad week for Spurs, Mourinho. And I think the big question here is: Is Mourinho still box office? You know, I know the players he's working with isn't traditionally the players he would be working with at a, at a really big club with the, the financial resources. But is he the man to still turn this club around? You know, make them, take them to the next level. I think that's the question on everyone's mind here. You know what? I think there have been a lot of instances this season where we haven't seen them actually uh, try a different approach where they they put themselves in the ascending position a lot quicker in the game and try and actually go for four or five goals in a game. We haven't seen that. They've got all the firepower in the world. They've got Kane and Son some of the most prolific attacking players in the in the league. Um, they've got options to actually go forward and try and take games to people. But yeah, man, it's, uh, it's Mourinho. Uh, pragmatic, uh, frustrating uh, at times. It's happened at Man United where he was a manager, even though the results were coming. It wasn't exciting to watch. And sometimes that's what Mourinho brings to the club. This time out, I don't know. Still scary to look and facing Tottenham. Facing Tottenham is still a scary prospect. But you know, if you can get a goal against them, your odds are a lot better. If you can get two goals against them, your odds are really, really good uh, facing this Tottenham. You know, I think um, Kane is, you know, you know, in the in the in the NBA, they like to to say the the MVP. Is the player that 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 changes the team completely, you know? Um, not 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 necessarily the best player or the player with the most points or whatever. That is Harry Kane. Harry Kane is the MVP of the Premier League. He is the single most important player to a team, to his team. You know what I mean? Without him, they don't look the same. Without Son, with Harry Kane, they would still be a bit a, a bit more effective. You know what I mean? Because Harry Kane drops a bit deep. Then he plays the balls forward to Bergwijn and uh, and Son. You know what I mean? So if Son wasn't there, at least they would still have those pacey wingers, Lucas Moura around. You know what I mean? And, and, and Harry Kane. The presence of presence of Harry Kane disturbs defenders as well. You know what I mean? You know, um, mm. it, it, it destabilizes defenses. You know, you still need to deal with him. You still need to make sure he comes deep. And then when he comes deep, he pulls away defenders. You know what I mean? So that impact is, is quite heavy. So if you imagine okay. that there, and you have Gareth Bale, who's not at the peak of his powers. All son, whoever's, whoever's was they were trying to play up front, it was it wasn't working. Um, so I think I think Harry Kane is is, is a huge miss, and um, let's see what Chelsea can do against them. But but uh, but Harry Kane is, is the difference. Sorry, Rich, I want to you go ahead, and then I want to follow up on what Celos just said. I'll, I'll be quick here. The scary thing for for Spurs is Brighton could have scored four 
easily in that game. Like there was there was spells in that game where they absolutely dominated. You know, you got Graham Potter like outsmarting Jose Mourinho, who claims to be one of the greatest managers of all time. You know, so that's that's the problem that Spurs have. You've got someone like Gareth Bale, who's a big name player, struggling massively, as you said, Celo. Without Kane, Spurs are so tame, man. They've got no bite. So it's going to be it's going to be a long season for them, I think. They they're really tailing off badly. Yeah, so so coming back to that, then telling off, and you saying, Rich, you know, you know Mourinho self-proclaimed greatest manager of all time, and Settle making the valid point without Harry Kane in and end. Are they are they missing a lot less players? Like if if Mourinho gets one or two players, I know in any manager's sort of case, getting one or two players makes a huge difference. But is this a case of him just not having a squad that is good enough to do what he wants to do? Or is this just him not being able to manage the current squad? Like, what is what is going fundamentally wrong? I know Kane's not there. And apart from the two of them, it's it's a huge loss, granted. But right now, we've... Like, I've, what's the answer here, guys? What's going on here? It has to be a mentality thing because how can Spurs have started off so well with the, with the same squad? And now be in the position that they're in. Cool, Kane's mm. injured, but other than that, they're they're a very similar squad. So is, I, yeah. I think it's a mentality thing. I think they there's a problem there from our side. So, no, so we don't be so we not as so we shouldn't be as harsh on Mourinho as opposed to just saying you know things need to be shaken up a little bit. And like when I look at the game against Liverpool, uh, the, the goal that we score right at the end of the game. If that goes nil-nil at halftime, firstly, the goal that they score is given off the side early on, which I think was very, very harsh. And then right at the end, they concede, right? And they concede based to your point, the, the mentality of the, the Spurs sort of players, they concede. Now, Hugo Laurie has been at the club for how long? He's been at a long time. He's won a World Cup with France. I think there's a false perception of that player being a world-class player in terms of... So him being, he's very overrated. Because whenever the big game... He always costs him, especially against Liverpool. There's something he always does. And, you know, all the focal point will be Aurea and how shit Aurea was. But with that goal in particular, that's something that should have been dealt up and cleaned up with mm. by the goalkeeper. And he yeah, the, way, the way he parried that yeah. ball wasn't, wasn't the way a goalkeeper supposed to. That, that's supposed to go out for a corner. Um, he's supposed to parry the shot and supposed to go out for a corner. And he doesn't obviously um, do that. And that does cost him. And I think, yes, I think Loris is, um, is overrated as a goalkeeper. I think um, in that French team, um, it's just uh, it's a combination of so many great players uh, with with a with a with a good goalkeeper that that, that probably is maybe a great leader, but a, just a good goalkeeper, a great leader maybe that 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 that, that kind of like guides him. But if you're making such saves in a, in a big game against Liverpool, um, yeah, I mean, and it's costing the team. I think um, it, it leaves a lot to be desired, and um, I think yeah, too much blame goes on to other players like Serge Aurier and stuff like that, but. But in, in the first half, Liverpool, what's this, uh, Spurs did play well. You know that offside goal was was obviously not 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 ideal. But um, obviously, with the, the rules these days, that's what you get. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, to, 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 let's see what they can do. I think on Thursday, firstly, and then and then we can reassess um, their chances going forward. I think I think Spurs are if they have to get a a, decent, a really good keeper, whether it be a Nick Pope, just just anything right now. They need a, a good keeper and a good centre half, and then their spine is sorted. Because Ndombele at the moment, alongside Horia, I think that's a solid 
midfield pairing. And then if you've got Son and Kane firing, look, guys, I think Bale's done. Bale's finished. He's lost the hunger for the game. I think he's done. Let's he play, just wants to be let's play, let's play some golf or go to the US, man. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right, guys, we're nearly there. We're going to finish off with the betting corner, the predictions. We've lost Mossa. I think his phone has died. I think that's what's happened there. Um, Arsenal right now, by the way, guys, they're winning 1-0 against Wolves. Pepe has scored. So it's a, it's a guy who seems to be on form at the moment and right hey. time for... Yeah, and the right oh, time for our test. Where's, where's, where's Brom also leading? Jeez. Oh, no. uh, Sheffield are done, guys. Never mind. Forget everything I said 15 minutes ago. guys. <laughs> The game tonight, Rich. Gonna get your prediction. I'm gonna say prediction, and then Celo's gonna give his prediction. First game, Man United versus Southampton. Uh, I'm gonna go 3 1 win to Man United. They need a big performance, um, a massive bounce back because obviously they've had two disappointing results now. Uh, Oli will demand a big, big performance, and I can see them bouncing back. So I'm gonna go 3 1 to United. Yeah, look, Southampton's a tasty, this is a tasty game, dude. I think Southampton are going to give them a go, especially at Old Trafford. Uh, I think they've got players that can hurt the United, but because they can hurt them, they might play more offensively. I think United could catch them on the counter, and we all know that's United's game. So I'm going to go two-one Man United. Celo. Yeah, I man, it's a tough one. I think um, I, don't, I don't know if um, Southampton, Southampton still has the injuries that they that they did have against Arsenal. Uh, but obviously, like Walker Peters is still out. Um, the last game, James Ward Prowse was playing right back, which was embarrassing. Um, you can't let your best player uh, play play at right back. Um, so I think um, I would like a two 0 I would like a two 0 That that's my wish. Um, but uh, Man United never gives me my wish um, for clean sheets. They get clean sheets of zero zero, which which is never good because it never needs to be really happy. It just needs to be happy, half happy. So so uh, so I think I'll go for a two one. 2-1. Right. Next game, Newcastle Palace. This, this, this is going to be a dull affair. I'm going, I'm going normal draw, straight up. I can just... Uh, yeah, it's going to be a dead rubber. No, no. No comment. No, no. Yeah, I mean, look, we all know what's going to happen. Newcastle are going to sit deep, even though that they're playing at home. Uh, Crystal Palace have been finding the back of the net lately, haven't they? So, yeah. And Callum Wilson, guys... He could score for Newcastle, but maybe it draws a fair result. Um, I don't know. Let me, let me. I'm going to do the match simulation thing that I normally do. All depends on. Crystal Palace got a good result against against uh, Wolves. Got a one 0 win. I'm going to go one 0 Wolves. Wolves. One 0 One 0 Palace. Sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going to go. I'm going to go for a draw. One one though. Um, I think. Um, Newcastle with their new assistant coach is he's reinvigorated them. Um, you know, I think um, he's gonna give them a little bit something. Um, and and I just inc- I just put in Wilson into my fantasy team, so he needs to, <laughs> needs to give me a goal. So 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 one 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 one. This is going to be a tough game. I, I can't lie, but you know, Villa's form has been really up and down recently. Um, we got a we got a point there last season, so. I have to be confident, you know. The Liverpool performance was poor, but I back us to bounce back and I have to back my boys. So I'm going to go 2 1 to the Hammers. 2 1. Shit, man. This is, I mean, like you said, Villa. It's a tough one to call. Yeah, man. Villa are doing who's, the thing, who's, man. Who's, who's home there? Villa. Villa. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. sharing Jason's sentiment here, man. Um, yeah, going, they're going to be goals. I think they're going to be created, but I think there isn't going to be enough between the two. So I'm going to go 2-2 two, two draw. Yeah, man, it's a tough one, man. Hey, um, trying to think who Aston Villa played on the weekend because I know obviously they lost to Burnley last week. Oh, so tough, guys. So tough, so tough, so tough, so tough, so tough. They beat Southampton away. Last they beat them, okay. They beat Southampton one away one no okay. Yeah, they did, yeah. yeah. Sure. But, <laughs> but before but before that, they have one win and they lost four before that win. Yeah. So it's difficult. Let's let's sorry, I'm gonna go for Villa 2 1. Villa 2 1. Hey Shrich, we, we not, we're not we're not backing Sorry, your side. You know, I actually really liked Jay. I really liked you, bro. Like a lot. But you know yeah, what? You guys give oh, a bit of a synergy. Bro, it's, it's, I was going to give you <laughs> props and everything. But somehow, I'm just looking about the fact that you guys wouldn't want to attack and the Villa's counter is ridiculous. You know, Watkins, Traore. Oh, man. Yeah. This... God, Liverpool, Brighton. Um, look, I mean, on paper, this looks like a comfortable Liverpool win, but Brighton have been making it difficult recently. Um, I still believe Liverpool will win, but I don't think it will be a walkover. I'll go, I'll go Liverpool by two, two no. I just, I can't believe Brighton are actually 17th on the log, to be honest, because whenever I watch them play, they do really good things on the field. They do really good things. I think they're struggling to get the results across. No, they're, well, they're still 17th. They are oh, currently, I think, two points clear of relegation. Right, yeah. And right, their last yeah. three games were two wins, one draw, and they did give Liverpool a hard time when Liverpool faced them. But Liverpool had one or two decisions go against them as well that day. So I think them playing at, at home will be a difference. Um, Ricky's saying Brighton. Ricky, go jump in a... Go jump somewhere. I don't even know. Go jump in a lake, dude. What, is, what are you saying, Brighton? Going to come come to Anfield and upset the odds? No, 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 no. I think Liverpool 2 0 two nil win. That's what we said about Burnley, but let's carry on. Um, I, I, think, <laughs> I think I think Brighton will 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 obviously give give you know Brighton likes to play football, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, so at least it's good to watch them, but also can be their downfall, you know, because sometimes they try to play football and then they get caught out maybe by a pressing team. Um, so I'll, I'll give it the victory to Liverpool, uh, but I'll give Brighton a goal. Um, so so I'll, I'm going to say 2-1 to Liverpool. 2-1. Jason, I like your prediction. A very good one. 3-1. You know, Salah's, guys, Salah's after the golden boot. Uh, you guys think he'll get it? Yeah, he'll get it. Yeah, he will. He's selfish, so yeah. he'll get it. Especially if Kane's injury... Prone, you know, for the rest of the season. And is also injured, so yeah, so you'll get it. And Antonio is also injured, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Antonio is always there, guys. I, I, listen, Rich, just in case you weren't sure where this whole like West Ham Messi thing came from, I started it saying he has the same impact on West Ham as a Messi does for Barcelona, and that's that's kind of where the thing came from. And I'm sure you you got to agree to a certain extent. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Without him, without him in our attack, we, we are a completely different side. So I can agree with you there. Okay. All right, guys. And that, that pretty much um, on, on that note, Rich, thanks. Thanks for agreeing with me. I think it's time to wrap up the show. <laughs> Spurs Chelsea? Spurs Chelsea? Or we'll do it on Thursday? Chelsea. We'll do that on Thursday because it's going to happen on Thursday. And I think then we can have Matt here and we'll have a proper build-up. 
But uh, final thoughts, guys. Um, oh, wait, Silo, just think, answer, uh, answer Ricky's question. Yeah, I was just asking, do you think um, Ben Davis is going to play for Liverpool? Um, no, he'll be on the bench, I think. Uh, Nate Phillips will. Yeah. But Phillips, Phillips and, and, and Henderson. Oh, wait, but no, that's... It takes away Henderson from the midfield. But yeah, Henderson and Henderson and Nate Phillips to start. All right. There you go, Ricky. So he doesn't think he's going to start. We'll give it time. We'll see how that plays out. The Oak needs some training sessions first. Rich, final exactly. words? Uh, I just hope my boys can bounce back after the disappointing loss to you guys. That's all I can say. Back to, we need to get back to winning ways. I want, I want Europa League football this season. I want Europa League football. Yeah, you guys can make it. I, I believe you guys can make it. You guys uh, um, battle it out with other um, London clubs. We're still the highest London club, guys. Let's not forget that, eh? Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah. It's 1-1, one, it's one, it's one, guys. Ruben Neves. Oh, but Wonga's not oh, watching. Wonga. David, David Louise. David Louise, uh, red card. Oh, what? shit. And, you know, Wolves aren't firing at the moment. So Wolves are struggling, guys. Mm. Oh, and so for them, yeah. score against Arsenal. But also, before this, Arsenal only conceded one goal in eight games. So this is definitely not going to help their cause. It's David Luiz getting a red card. Interesting. Right, guys, that pretty much wraps up our show today. Enjoy the football this evening and tomorrow, and then we'll see everyone else on Thursday. Rich, Celo, thank you for joining good me. Luck. If you guys good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck, guys. Yeah, hopefully my predictions are right. No good luck. No good luck for Man United. Why, Rich? You see, this is why the two of you have something going on. I don't know. Actually, I don't you know what? Like after that prediction, bro, I'm not convinced. <laughs> Come on, the Saints. Come on, the Saints. Come on, the Saints. Yeah. Right. Oh, guys, sorry, if you don't know what to be, be cool. Oh, there we go. Yeah, you guys are so into that slogan. Let's try it again. If you don't know what to be, Silo. Ask, 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 your, ask your fans. Ask your fans. Be cool. <laughs> Be cool. All right, everyone have a good evening. Thanks for joining us. Cheers, 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 cheers.